a dating and makeover expert where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. If you are someone with a broken picker syndrome, you repeatedly choose inappropriate people to date or even marry. And for whatever reason, you have fallen into the habit of attempting to connect with people who can never offer you what you want, which is an authentic, healthy, long-term partnership, hopefully, or maybe even just have a healthy dating situation. But lo and behold, you continue to date the same person over and over and over again. It's almost like you have a type, a person who fits the same description. And you think you're dating different people. This is what everyone says. It's like, well, when I first met this person, they didn't look like the same person, you know? But then when you unzip the costume and you look inside and, oh my God, there he or she is again. How did that happen? How did you get there? And, you know, it could be someone who is superficially charming, says all the right things, has kept, you know, a very, you know, nice appearance, but does not deliver when you actually need them to. Or maybe it could be someone high maintenance who seems to have an endless list of needs, leaving little space for you or what you want in the relationship. Most difficult of all, it could be someone who cycles between seeming to treat you well and then being abusive, such as putting you down or not allowing you to see friends or family members. Like these are typical patterns a lot of times people face when they're meeting people over and over again. But really what this dynamic is, is that you are acting the same, therefore attracting the same. And what I mean by that, deep down, you may, in the end, don't really either believe that you deserve better or more comfortable in pleasing others over yourself. And the more comfortable you are with that, you might be deflecting your emotions and keeping you emotionally guarded and unavailable. And that's why you might, like, say, attract unavailable people. And all these behaviors actually attract lopsided relationships that leave you feeling depleted, rejected, and resentful. And the tragic thing about having this broken picker syndrome is that it keeps you stuck with people who can never truly fulfill your needs. And for whatever reason, perhaps through no fault of their own, this person is not a long-term match. You probably have real feelings for this person who no doubt, has some positive qualities. Obviously, you're attracted to them, right? Or else you wouldn't keep going with them. However, while it can be difficult to let go of a person who is right in front of you, moving on is the only way to achieve real commitment and connection, especially with someone different. So why do you keep repeating this destructive behavioral pattern in your vetting process when you're dating? And I find that there's kind of these three fundamental reasons. Number one, you repeat what's familiar. Even though you know it's dysfunctional or toxic and it's not working well for you, you repeat the behaviors because they feel familiar to you, good, bad, or indifferent, and you know what to expect from them. In fact, in psychology, that's called the familiarity principle. So it's not your fault. It's just what happens in the brain. Now, number two, it could be because you repeat what you have learned as a child. And I find that it it is a lot of pre-programming. The beliefs, the coping skills, the pattern of behavior that you learned in childhood become so deeply entrenched and ingrained in you because you learn them when your brains aren't fully developed. And after years of using them, they're hard to change and they become programmed like a computer. But I always say, like a computer, those programs can be overridden. It just takes a little bit of strategy and support to do that. And number three, you repeat what was traumatizing and an unconscious effort to gain mastery over it. So 
If you felt rejected or unloved or powerless as a child, you may recreate experiences and relationships where you feel similarly in an unconscious effort to change the outcome, to heal yourself by gaining the acceptance or love of someone or to feel in control. So it's almost like, okay, this time around, it'll be different. It's like you're trying to make it right or like a corrective experience, as I call it. Um, And I know I said that there's three reasons, but I think overall, sometimes the overriding theme is that you just think you deserve to suffer in some ways. Like maybe you didn't feel good enough or you had those messages growing up and your self-esteem is eroded. So you believe that you deserve that pain. Well, whatever the case may be, if you look back at your list of loves and notice the same pattern of behaviors, it's time to take a step back and figure out how you can prevent yourself from choosing the same type of person the next time around, if you choose to, if you want to. And that's really the question. So today on the line, I definitely have someone who wants to break out of this pattern and do something different. Um, She is a widow who has experienced a pattern of men who string her along after her husband's death and is fearful of dating because of that. And she struggles with knowing how to receive, be flirty, embracing her femininity, all while learning how to let men earn her. I hope I can help her learn to get past some of the anxiety she's experiencing and also the disappointment so that she can start dipping her toe in the dating pool in a whole new way. Welcome, Tracy. Are you there? I am. I'm here. Thank you, Kimmy. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, my God. I'm so happy that you are here. And, you know, we... We had such a great conversation and I really wanted to like keep going with you. So I'm so glad that you decided to, you know, hop on here. Well, I mean, I know I introduced everybody just in a general sense, but I'd love for you to just, you know, say who you are and, um, you know, kind of your journey up until now with men and dating and some of the obstacles you're facing. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I'll try to make it really brief. So um, my name is Tracy. You know, I come from a very um, traditional Italian uh, Roman Catholic family. Um, my mom, um, <clears throat> I come from a divorced family. My mom and dad were uh, married for quite a while before they divorced when I was a little kid. I was probably five when they divorced. And so I didn't, I only knew my mom growing up as a single mom. And so, um, you know, she raised me after, you know, the divorce you know, my dad left her high and dry, an immigrant in this country, not speaking any English. You know, she taught me how to be self-sufficient. You know, don't depend on men for anything. Do it yourself. You you have them because you want them in your life, not because you need them in your life kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And which was so opposite of what it was before my dad left, because she always raised our whole family. And although people and our kids and our family were raised to like, be good wives, be good husbands, be good parents, have children, like the whole thing. But I was the last one and it was after the divorce. So my mom was like, no, you're, we're not raising you that way. Cause we don't want this to happen to you. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was very self-sufficient growing up. I was a latchkey kid. My mom worked all day long. I'd come home with the, you know, I had my own key. I came and went, you know, I've been on my own, um, since I was about 16, I pretty much was taking care of myself. And, you know, I always tried my best to find the right person that, you know, was supposed to be good for me. Right. Um, but obviously somebody who was going to enhance my life, not control it, not, you know, think that they were going to, I was going to follow them, that kind of thing. So, Mm -hmm. um, I dated a lot in high school and college and, um, in high school, as a matter of fact, I, I actually lived with a boyfriend of mine for like a year because he was in a situation where he needed um, you know, some, he needed some support and his family needed some help. And I offered to, you know, his mom said, well, why don't you move in with us and you can help us and I'll, we'll help you out. And it was kind of a mutual situation. So I did that. And then, um, that, you know, we, that relationship didn't really work out. We were kids, right? So, um, college happened and then my life just started happening and, um, I was working hard and, I was not going anywhere. And I was so determined to break the cycle of everybody in my family. Everyone in my family has been married multiple times. They've been divorced and married and 
and I was like, and worked hard, never got anywhere. And I was determined to be different. So I left college and joined the military and was like, I'm going to be the first woman in my family to join the military and I'm going to be different. And I'm going to go to college. I'm going to be the first person in my family to graduate high school. First person to go to college, be totally Mm -hmm. different. So I was trying to break all those cycles, right? So I joined the military and lo and behold, like within like two months of me joining the military, I thought I met the man of my dreams. I was like zoned in on him and it was like love at first sight. Well, it was great, but it was short lived because we were, we were married after a few months of being, of dating and in the military, we did it so that we could be stationed together and we didn't want to be separated. And then unfortunately, you know, situations arose where stressors you know, with him got really bad and, you know, he took his own life. Mm. So we were two years married in. And so now I had to deal with that. Mm. So um, getting over that was hard. And then trying to date again was ridiculous right away. So, you know, it took me several years, but then it was like, I was afraid to start dating because I didn't know what I thought I knew what I was doing. And I thought maybe I, I I should have seen signs earlier and I didn't um, I didn't see them. And I'm thinking I got to be more careful. So I started dating different types of people and the people that I was dating, they were great and they loved me and they did great things for me, but they were needy. Mm. And I felt like I don't want to babysit anybody. <laughs> you know, I don't want to take care of anybody like that. You know, I want us to be mutually beneficial. I want to find my best friend. I want to find someone who we like similar things and do similar things and have the right amount of energy. I mean, I'm very energetic. I didn't want to have somebody that was going to slow me down. And, you know, I just fell into one relationship after another, right after that. And it was always through friends or friends of friends that I met at barbecues or weddings. And it was like, my friends were always trying to hook me up with their friends. And I had several long relationships that just didn't really go anywhere. You know, like Mm -hmm. I had one probably four or five years after my husband passed away that was that lasted six years. It was great. And we did stuff together and he seemed really great. But then it didn't go anywhere. It got very stagnant, you know, and it was always the same routine, same things to do every weekend. It was like we did Movies on Friday, cards on Saturday, you know, dinner with the parents on Sunday. It was like that for four years. And after six years, I was kind of like, let's change it up. Let's do something else. And it was like, no, this is the way it's going to be. This is how we do it all the time. And I got really tired of it. And we had this conversation about where's our relationship going. And he didn't want anything else. He just wanted me to keep doing what we were doing. And I was like, I'm not satisfied with that. My life has has no direction at this point. It's just going along. And I felt controlled. Mm-hmm. So um, I said, let's go to counseling because I'm not one to give up, right? I'm like, let's go to counseling and we'll work this out. And we made the appointments and he never showed up. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I guess that's my answer. So we broke up. And then six months later, a cousin of mine hooked me up with a friend of her husband's. And that was a seven-year relationship. Hot and heavy in the beginning. Oh, my God, it was great. We actually moved in together. And he worked opposite schedules of mine. He worked nights. I worked days. You know, he didn't like some of the things that I did, but he supported whatever I did. But we were never together. My friends actually thought he was a figment of my imagination because they're like, they never saw him. And it was like, well, where's this guy that you're dating? I'm like, oh, his pictures. And we do these things together. But we never did things together with our friends. I did stuff with his friends, but he never did stuff with my friends. And it was kind of like me giving up my things for him, but him not willing to compromise with me. And after seven years, it was like, then everything stopped. He got depressed. You know, he started, you know, shutting down. We wouldn't talk. And I finally said, you know, I have to move on. This isn't working. And he was like, fine, do that. (laughs) And I'm like, after seven years, it was like, okay, go ahead. And I kind of felt like, wow, I'm like, we've done all these great things together and you're just okay with me leaving? 
Um, and so after that relationship, so it was seven years. And so then my high school boyfriend, I told you about earlier that I lived with him and his family, we reconnected. And it was like, then I thought it was like divine intervention because my mother knew that I was in love with this man my whole life, right? I've always wondered about what would have happened if we stayed together. And um, I, I basically broke up with him because she didn't like him in the beginning. And it was like, he wasn't the right boy for me, she said. Um, and so the day I met him, he was wearing a red shirt, which was my mom's favorite color. And I know how much you love red. <laughs> <laughs> well it so, wasn't a red dress but it was red yeah I was like it's a red shirt like it's a sign my mom is telling me that this is the man that's going to make me happy and we got together and again it was I did we did everything together and things were going great but then when it came to his kids and his family and everything else it was like I was non-existent I had to assimilate to their life and it wasn't like I had any say or any compromise or it was just the, his way or the highway. And then COVID hit and I was in quarantine and I was going through a hard time. I mean, I have PTSD from my own husband's passing and I had my own issues there and I was isolated and I was asking him for help and he ghosted me after four years of being together. Mm totally ghosted me. And I couldn't understand why he wouldn't talk to me. He wouldn't, he didn't give me a reason, you know, but it was like, I mean, initially he was great, right? He was very narcissistic. I found out later. I mean, he's very charismatic, sucks you in, tells you what you want to hear. Everything is great. You're the love of my life. We're going to be together forever. And then when you need him, he's not there. Mm -hmm. And you know, I started noticing patterns of when I needed something or needed him to be there for me, he was not there for me. And then here it was COVID and he dropped me for no reason. We did get into an argument. I remember we got into an argument right before COVID where he was the first time we ever got into a fight and he was yelling at me, you know, and swearing at me. And I wasn't going to take it. And I said, that I don't have to take this. And I got up from where I was sitting and I left. And he basically said, I can't believe you left me. How disrespectful it was for you to leave me. And I'm like, I'm not going to treat have somebody treat me that way. And he was like, I didn't treat you anyway. I'm like, you were yelling at me, swearing. He's like, no, I wasn't. I'm like, yes, you were. And I don't take that behavior. And he basically was like, I'm like, can we talk this over? And he said, no. And then ignored me for months and didn't talk, didn't return any of my things, didn't do anything until one day he showed up at my doorstep with his son and his sister and just dropped my stuff off at the door and said, here's your stuff. And that was the end. Now I feel like I'm in the dating pool again. I'm 50 years old. So I've gone through a lot. And now I feel like, what am I doing? Where do I start? I've never really dated in my life, like multiple people, I've gone from one relationship to, so I've been like a relationship yeah. girl my whole life, one to the next to the next to the next and spending all this time and, and energy and emotion and commitment to go nowhere. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm like, I'm trying to learn how to date. And I remember calling you, Kimmy, and I'm like, teach me how to date. <laughs> how do you date? What right. do you say? I want to date multiple people and then make up my mind. <laughs> I don't want to just settle for the one person in front of me. Oh my God. Which is why I wanted you to come on the podcast because you're so not alone. I mean, there's so many people and thank you for sharing your story who have had a string of multiple relationships that, you know, and in a, a in a similar way and there's a pattern and, and you didn't learn how to just date, right. For the sake of not getting attached, but to really know who you are and what it is you like, cause you've been in relationships. Right. So, well, I want to back up for a second because there was, there's a lot there to unpack. And I, I really just, again, it was so great for you to kind of go through some of these relationships. Cause I'm sure a lot of people can like, you know, relate to some of these things that you went through. I, what, what's the pattern here for you? Are you, are you hearing it as you're telling your story? Yeah. Yeah. The, the definite pattern is I'm a giver. Mm -hmm. I'm a giver. 
and I give and I give, I give and I give up. So when I'm giving to somebody, I give a lot. I give my time. I give my commitment. I give uh, even financial stuff. I give gifts. I, I'm really generous. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm successful. You know, I'm not afraid to help people out. I never say no, but I also give up myself. I give up the things that I love for the other person because that's what they I, they, I want to assimilate to them. And I want us to do things together. And when they're doing things, I find that, oh, I get taken interest in it. And then that's all we're ever doing. And I lose interest in my stuff. And then they're a hundred percent in my, on my radar. And then the people that are in my life, like my friends or, uh, different charities I belong to, of you know, and different volunteer things that I do, I give that stuff up for that person. And then I lose those connections. Mm-hmm. And with that pattern, who have you been attracting? What's your picker? <laughs> What's my picker? I'm, I'm attracting, I'm attracting people who, who seem to think that I'm some kind of sugar mama. And then I'm, you know, that I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, be there and do everything for them. And, and I don't, and I'm so self-sufficient that I don't need them for anything that they don't really put in any effort. Bingo. So let's talk about that because that's, that's, remember, like I was saying in the beginning of the episode is like, so really like all your stories are pretty much the same. I don't know if you like recognize that. Oh, I do now. Yeah. Right. And when you're going through it, of course you don't, you know, you don't, you think, oh, this guy's going to be different somehow, you know, right. and, um, but really what, just to summarize is that you're attracting takers, you're attracting fixer uppers, you're attracting narcissists, you're attracting people who like the giver in you, mm-hmm. you know, because you make them feel amazing and you're doing all the things that, you know, is all focused on them until it's not right Right. until I ask for something that I need and they're like Mm -hmm. no yeah and and I I don't know and and actually when we talked before and this is going to be more kind of like a deeper dive and tying it into your past have you figured out the connection between this dynamic and how you grew up and what happened as a child I don't really think I thought about it like that, um, that far back. I just, I was analyzing it through me. Um, I don't think I made the connection. Um, but as I'm sitting here thinking about it, I'm thinking about, um, you know, my, my mom Mm -hmm. and how my mom, you know, really gave a lot of herself to everybody. And she was always the matriarch of the family and everything revolved around my mom. But in the end, she was very sad and lonely because she didn't have anything she needed. Yeah. And remember that message she gave to you. Yeah. You don't need anybody. Just be self-sufficient. Take care of yourself, which is all that masculine energy that I've mm -hmm. totally been exhuming, you know, and and exhibiting for all this time. I mean, I was in a male-dominated profession in the Navy. I was a mortician, believe it or not, for 25 years. Mm all men, right? I was like one of the first women to break into the business. So it was like, it was just, and I, all my mom's friends that had kids were boys. So I was a tomboy, you know, doing stuff with them and playing with trucks and fixing cars. And, you know, and I was the fixer in the family. I was like the son my father wanted before he actually had sons. (laughs) Well, yeah. And, and like, look at how powerful that is. And, you know, and it's never a blame game. It's not to blame your mom or your dad or anything. It's just, it's the programming that you had and where your confidence had gotten built. And you were told very early on that you are independent, that you're a fixer. And so you've made that true. Right. And so when you're interacting with men, you become that person from the minute you say hello. It's just very easy for you, you know, to make them feel amazing, to be the giver, to take care of everything. Um, and, and that's that's where your journey kind of like begins. And I want it to end. Well, and I, I appreciate that because, you know, in my 
my previous position, I worked for the uh, Department of Veteran Affairs. I worked with, with veterans. And um, now I do. And in my previous position, I was an advocate. So I was an advocate to fight for what they wanted. So that's all. that was my always focus. Always focus and help somebody else on what they need. And yeah. I was great at it. <laughs> you're you're great. Well, again, that's where your confidence lives. And so it's like you getting more comfortable receiving and allowing space and time for that to happen and only like giving to the guys who earn it. And and that's the hardest thing when somebody's like a provider and caretaker like you are because it's like, well, I don't want to, you know, this is my pleasure. I like doing stuff like that. And and it's not taking that away because it's a beautiful quality that you have, by the way, Tracy. So it's not to say don't do that anymore. It's just really letting these guys earn it and leaning back more to see who gives to you as well. And so there's more reciprocity and you get to dictate that from the minute you encounter a man. The minute you say hello, it's the way you move. It's the way you talk. It's the way that you make plans or he makes plans with you. And it's like there's little, you know, nuances that you may not even realize that you're doing because it's so natural for you. Yeah. Um, and and so, um, and I'll make one more connection that's kind of deeper that I don't know if you've ever thought of. And then it's kind of like, well, how we move forward is, you know, your dad left at a really young age and you saw your mom struggle. And mm-hmm. look at the dynamics that keep happening with all these men in the past that they end up leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, it, mm-hmm. and, and I find that, um, I, I find that in that dynamic, you know, of um, them leaving, it's usually my decision when I leave. Mm-hmm. It's usually me giving them, this is what isn't working. Do you want to work on it? And then they do the no. And I go, all right, then peace out. I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah. Well, in some way, shape or form, there's this kind of dramatic leave is my point, you know, whether it's kind of, um, started by you or they just leave like in the case of the ghosting situation and, you know, like there's, there's all kinds of dynamics with that. But the, the point is, is that there's this fundamental fear, like there, there's some dating fears that we all have. And one of the top dating fears is fear of abandonment. And that Mm -hmm. often stems from when we've had a loss early on. And so what happens moving forward is that there's such a fundamental fear of someone leaving that you pick people that end up leaving anyway. Because then, you know, it's almost like that familiar pattern that, that just gets recreated over and over again. Now, in like what I said in the beginning, you're trying to correct the experience. You're going to say, no, I'm going to make this work. And that's why maybe some of these relationships you had for many years, you know, until you can't. And you're like, then you just get to that breaking point where it's like, okay, like, peace out, like you said. Um, (laughs) And so what, what it is, is again, like, these guys are going to continue to be in your energy field. You're going to be drawn to them. But what, the time is now to start having different ways that you go about things. So you (laughs) slow down and take the time to pace yourself so that you attract something different. And it's going to feel weird. Like it's going to feel weird not to be the giver in the beginning. Well, and and to that point, so here's the thing that I've been trying to do lately. Uh Uh-huh. Meet somebody and they, you know, I'm a successful woman. I have my own home. You know, I have my own things, you know, and I have my own things that I like to spend time doing. You know, like I said, my charity work, my volunteerism, Mm -hmm. you know, things I like to do outside of work. And now when I'm meeting somebody at this age, right, I'm pretty settled. And after every relationship, you know, I have moved on and started over and had to start like I was living with that guy in high school, I had to move on and start over. Mm-hmm. When I was living, this guy was six years, I had to start over. The other guy I moved in with, I had to start over. And now I've established my home again. And I've always gave up my home. I always gave up what I had for them. 
Now I'm not doing that. So now it's like when I meet people that really want to have a commitment with me now, it's like, well, I'm not ready for, I'm not moving in with anybody yet. Not mm-hmm. for a while. I'm mm-hmm. not doing that. I'm not giving up what I've built so that if this hat doesn't work five years down the road, I have to start over again. I'm not doing that. And yeah. it's, it's kind of funny because I think it's sending the wrong signal that I don't want this relationship when I do, but I don't want to be taken advantage of where, you know, I have to give up everything to move into your situation. Totally. Our situation. Yes. Well, and what you're describing is so normal. I call it the pendulum effect where, you know, you had going about things one way where you were giving, 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 giving and moving in fast and, and that wasn't working. So now you've gone all the way to the other side and say, no, don't come near me. I don't want this, you know, and, and that's not good either. Right. And so it's somewhere in between. And that's, that's kind of like the recalibration that you're doing and it's okay. And again, it's hard to do, you know, when you're so used to being a certain way. So it's almost like an overcorrection sometimes until you get to like, you know, that balance state. Well, let's get into this because I want to like give you some ideas on how to be different. And you had mentioned offline before we hopped on that after our first call, like you tried something and something worked. What was it? Like, let's talk about that first. Okay. So I took your flirting class, right? 101. And I was uh-huh. learning to flirt, right? And trying to get in touch with my feminine side. And so um, I got the courage one day. I was, I had a couple of friends visiting from out of town. My girlfriend's support, we, my, I called them my sisters. They were here. Um, and we went out to karaoke at this bar that we know to get some food and some karaoke. Uh-huh. And there was this beautiful man across the bar. <laughs> and I, my eyes just zoned in on him right away. And I said to my girlfriend, I'm like, look at that man. He's just gorgeous. Oh my God. And, you know, he was covered in tattoos. I love that. You know, so tattoo guys, I love that. Anyway, so, so he's covered in tattoos and, he had just had a beautiful face about him. And my, I have a girlfriend who was with me who's like an empath and she reads energy and she was zoning in on his energy and she could feel the, the positive energy. Yeah. And then he smiled at one point and she was like, wow, what a beautiful smile. He's got, he got a very honest, you know, charisma about him. Mm. And so I was like, you know what? I'm like, Kimmy told me if I don't practice, <laughs> I'm never going to learn how to go up to somebody and introduce mm-hmm. myself, like mm-hmm. waiting for them to come to me. I need to practice. And then, you know, this guy could shoot me down in a second. I'm like, but I'm going to, I'm going to practice. I'm going to get the courage to practice. And my girlfriend says, well, go do it. And I said, what do I say? And she goes, ask him about his tattoos. Ask him about, you know, mm-hmm. why he's here. Is he watching the game? Cause it was TVs on the bar and that kind of thing. And so so after a time, I noticed he had just finished eating. We had finished eating and he asked for the check. And I'm like, oh, he's going to be leaving. This is my opportunity. I'm going to do this. He's going to leave. So I said to my girlfriend, that's it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to try it. I slapped my hands on the table. And I said, here I go. And they're like, all right, we're right here for you. I'm like, okay. And I walked around the bar and he had just now stood up and he was like putting on his jacket and he saw me. And I said, excuse me. And he looked at me and his face automatically lit up. My girlfriend was like, he smiled so big. And I was like, and I said, the first thing I said to him, I was like, I don't know if you've noticed. I said, but I've been sitting across that bar for the last hour looking at your tattoos. They're beautiful. I said, can you tell me about them? And so he goes on this whole conversation about all the tattoos on his arms are martial art themes. And I said, oh, do you study martial arts? And he said, yes. And I said, I do as well. And I do. And he goes, I said, what do you study? And he told me. And I'm like, oh, my God, I did that as well. And and then he goes on to other things. Then he's lifting it. Then he pulls down his shirt to show me his chest is all tattooed. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's really, like, engaged in this conversation. So I definitely picked the right topic. Um, and then he goes down and lifts up his pant leg and all of his legs are tattooed, but they're all Egyptian and half, I have Egyptian tattoos. I just came back from Egypt. So I was like, I said, I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, I just came back from Egypt, me and my friends over there. I'm like, oh my God, this is so great. And we had this, he was like happy to to engage with me. So I finally said, I'm like, well, I know you're getting ready to leave. I said, I don't want to keep you too long. I says, but I said, can I call you sometime? And then he kind of like, 
pause, like, wow, she asked, like, surprised. I asked him for his phone number. And he goes, well, yeah, do you have your phone? And I said, yes. And he showed, he put the phone, his phone number in my phone for me. And he says, here you go. And I said, what's your name? And he said, Jason. And I said, okay. And I gave him, I told him, my name's Tracy. And I said, can I, I can call you sometime? And he said, absolutely. And I was like, all right, well, have a nice evening. Nice talking to you. And then when I got back to the table, I texted him saying, hi, this is Tracy. We just met. Here's my number. I'd love to talk to you sometime. And he responded right away saying, nice meeting you too. Will do. <laughs> and that was it. And I said to my girlfriends, I was like, if nothing else happened for me, yeah. that was a win-win. Oh my God. He didn't shoot me down. He didn't like, didn't want to talk to me. He didn't say he was married or gay or anything. He was willing to engage, gave me his number and then responded. <laughs> Oh my gosh. If I had like um the noise machine of like the crowd going wild, I wouldn't do it. even did the hair thing. Like you said, I moved my hair and I as he was oh. talking to me, I did the hair thing. Oh my gosh, Tracy, A plus plus plus. I am that is amazing. And I, there were so many things that you did that were, that were great, but I think the best thing you did is get out of your own way and to, to like when you had that conversation with your friend and yourself, it's like, you know, getting over that fear of rejection and just, you know, cause really I always say the fear of missing an opportunity should be way greater than the fear of rejection. Correct. Because right, like because you'll never know if you don't go after something. And so just to receive, see, and that goes back to that whole notion of receiving, just receiving that beautiful conversation and having talked to a man who you know you were attracted to is a win in itself. Yeah. And yeah. that's amazing. Now, I have a little bit of a tweak that I would do at the end, but still oh. great job. <laughs> And I, thought, is, I know what it's, you were going to say about what I said. I know you're getting ready to leave. <laughs> well, that, well, that I didn't have so much trouble with. Okay. Um, I would have taught you to drop the hanky more than just ask directly for his number. That was a little masculine, but that's okay. Like, well, we'll, we'll work on that. Those are like little <laughs> tweaks you get to do. Um, but the, the fact that, you know, it, and and what's funny is that like from the beginning of the conversation all the way through, you were doing everything right where you were just really focusing on what you were curious about, like his tattoos and then relating to it. And then you guys have this beautiful conversation out of it. Like this is part of the social engagement formula that I teach a lot of people. And the fact that you took one workshop and you already like did this, I can only imagine what like it's going to be like for you if you keep going with all of this. So I, I want to kind of piggyback off of what you started and continue on that path. So like, I would love for you to do these kind of micro transactions, as I call it, with, with men on a consistent basis like that. And the, it, but the goal might be different than what you have had in the past you know, and what, and, and this, I think will help you a lot moving forward to not worry about whether or not the guy will like ask you out or be a good boyfriend or am, do I have the right picker on? Is he a, a narcissist? Like, like, don't worry about any of that. But I would go in with the notion of I'm going to practice talking to this guy and see if I can lean back and give him like a really great conversation to receive something like almost gamify it for yourself. So maybe you try to get a guy to buy you a drink. Maybe you try to get a guy to give you a compliment. Maybe you get the guy to get your number rather than vice versa. And that, that would be my only like, yeah. you know, tweak in, in that little story. And, um, but then the question becomes how, right? And so I know that that's going to be your next question. And it does take a little bit of practice, but it's using kind of more feminine communication and like allowing just the guy to do that. So it could be something like with the number, for instance, you could say something like, um, you know, like, well, I, I'm, I love all the stuff about the tattoos. Like, I, I I would love to know more stories or learn more stories from you, you know, and just see 
what he says after that. Like you kind of lead him down the path of that. Or maybe you ask, well, you know, I would love to be able to go to your tattoo artist. How am I going to know how to get a hold of him? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And sometimes it feels a little like, oh, well, that that's so passive. But it really isn't because it a guy's just looking for a lot of times the entry. You know, they a lot of times are nervous and they don't want to overstep their bounds. And if you give them the hint that, hey, I would like that if you called me, I'd like that to be connected with you, then you, really what you're doing is you're just giving them permission then to be the man to ask. And so it's it's doing all those little things. And um, even to the point where you don't have to always fill in the space with words, you know, like it's more letting him ask you questions or maybe you share something about yourself and see if he follows up with it. And you're just taking inventory on who is asking questions about you, who cares about you as you're sharing things about yourself. I really want you more focused on showing up and sharing things about you and what you like more than making them feel amazing. You know what I mean? Because I think you're always leading with that, you know, and, and maybe the conversations become really heavy with that. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that what my focus was, was to let him do most of the talking. So when he, when I was asking him questions and he was talking on going on and on about his tattoos and the meanings and what they mean and all this other kind of stuff, like he, I was really interested in what he was showing me. And I was just kind of like, oh my God, that's great. This is, you know, how it can, how my similarities and my connection is with you over this subject. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I didn't, I guess I didn't want the conversation to go flat and I didn't want to pause because I was afraid he wouldn't say anything after that. So I was kind of like, I wanted to have like dead space and then be like, now what do I say? But see, Tracy, that, okay. I love that you just said that. That is a small example of how you keep fixing everything. Yes. It's not your job to drive the conversation always. It's not your job to make someone feel amazing always. Like, see, it's like anytime there's some sort of like space or discomfort Tracy jumps in and saves the day. Like I want, that's exactly what I mean. I want you to stop that. So when you feel the need that there's a dead space, you just smile and look it in his eyes and let him take over. Allow it. Oh yeah. That's going to take practice. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And that's what I mean. Like if, if you just do these things where you're practicing slowing down, receiving, not jumping in and saving all the time, you're going to see a difference in the kind of guys that are going to be attracted to you and you to them. Because it's your default to always like the guys that you end up jumping in with. Yeah. Yeah. And and I just want to keep it really simple. Like, I, I wouldn't even go beyond that. Like, keep doing this kind of stuff. And, like, if you're online and you're having conversations, same thing. Just practice, like, letting the guy drive it more and being comfortable allowing that to happen. Yeah. I mean, having conversations through, you know, um, you know, whether whether they're you know, any kind of, whether it, I, I, I usually try not to, when I'm starting a relationship or starting to get to know somebody, I tend not to do the texting thing mm-hmm. or the communication over the internet or anything like that. Um, because I want to hear the inflection in their voice and I want to hear the enthusiasm in their voice or the, mm-hmm. you know, tones mm-hmm. in their, you know, but um, when I have met people that I knew, maybe we might've been friends before or somebody who's used to communicating with me that way. It is really hard for me. And, you know, I think it could be a generational thing too. Like we as, you know, I'm learning that I'm not even texting right. I'm using punctuation and apparently I'm not supposed to be doing (laughs) or like, you know, (laughs) yeah, different things about this new generation of how they can read into a text and right. I'm kind of like, am I not doing, I'm like, I'm grammatically writing a sentence and putting a punctuation and that's bad. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Well, so, and to your point, yeah, there's different forms of communication and there's also the art of flirting in a text as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Well, 
you know, it's, it's a journey and that's why, you know, it can be overwhelming when you think about just getting back out there and knowing where to start. But I think you're on to something. Like, I love that you did that and that you had that um, story happen. And I would just ride the wave with that and really just focus on receiving and letting him do some more work. Stop doing the work for them. Well, you'll be proud to know that I did not call him. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. Him. Exactly. After he said, you know, he would call me, will do. I left it at that. I haven't heard from him since. So yeah. Yeah. And that's good. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. And that, and that's good. And, and, and I think then you just keep going. And I like that you had a good attitude about it. It's like, well, you know what? He didn't call, but your win was exactly what you said. So who cares? You know, the, eventually the right guy is going to show up and he's going to call you and he's going to ask for your number and you let it happen and he's going to pay for dinner. And he's, you know, like, but you're also going to keep your eye on the ball on other things. Does he care about you? Does he follow up and mean what he says and says what he means? He doesn't go too fast. There's a pacing, you know what I mean? So there, there's things that you'll look for down the line. But I think if you just work on this like initial kind of thing about leaning back, slowing down and receiving, it will be a great, great like confidence booster for you too. And and just seeing the difference the interaction is. Well, and can I ask you a question? Always. So <laughs> I find that um there was one gentleman that I that wanted to date me and he was very oh my god he he was really in my not I would say in my face but he was very interested and so he was very complimentative all the time he wanted to see me all the time he wanted to call me all the time it was like too much for me that's too and much I, right and I was just kind of like am I not receiving these things that you're saying I should be receiving correctly because now I was getting annoyed well that's the other extreme what you're looking for like like what I was saying you you want a balance. You want a pacing that's healthy. You don't want someone who comes in strong and love bombs you and to the point of, of nausea. Like that, that's a red flag for sure. So no, you're right to to yeah. feel that. Yeah. But you also don't want to be the guy and constantly like, you know, chase and fix and fill in the space and all that, right? Like, so those are the two extremes. You right. want a balance. You want a balance of both. And you want a progression that feels healthy and good where you're really like taking your time to get to know someone all while maybe dating other people and not getting attached because your journey right now, Tracy, is because you're a relationship person is learning about yourself in the process without getting attached too soon. Yeah. And that way you'll like really have like healthier interactions moving forward and and it won't feel so hard anymore too cuz you'll know exactly what to look for as you get to know yourself. You're really just dating yourself. Yes, yes. Well, and I'm wondering too like when that comes. I mean, I'm usually the person who you know, meet somebody and then I focus on that one person. So I don't, I don't, I'm just wondering like if the, if the opportunity ever presented itself where there was multiple people interested in me, like I have to figure out how that works. How do I? Well, then when that problem presents itself, then we'll hop on another coaching with Kimmy call. How about that? But you're not there yet. <laughs> right. Just, so exactly. Don't get ahead of it. Just do what I said about learning how to have these kind of interactions with men where you're really practicing receiving more. And it's more about the interactions. Don't even think of them as dates. And and then once you master that, then we go to the next thing. And pretty soon, if you have all these dates and you don't know what to do, well, that's a great problem to have. And we'll hop back on. <laughs> Tracy, you were awesome. How do you feel? How do you feel? I feel good. I feel like there was some really good information that I that I got out of this call and a lot of good uh things that I didn't I didn't see initially. So that's really great. I'm help, I'm glad that you helped me see those things and point those things out. Oh, awesome. Well, and 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 I think also you learning how to express your feelings more in relation to things too is going to help you build more of those emotional connections to moving forward. Um 
because what you just said is really awesome. Like you got a lot of things out of it, but how do you feel? What's a feeling word? Good is not a feeling, by the way. I'll, I'll give you a hint. I feel empowered. Yeah. I think I feel empowered. I, I, I do definitely have to learn how to um, not, how to accept compliments and things mm-hmm. like that like, without looking into them. Like, why are you complimenting me? It's almost kind of like, you know, sneaky. Like, why are you, why, why are you telling me that? Like, uh, what do you, uh, I, 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 I have that in the back of my head, kind of just like, I know I'm pretty. I know I'm this, but you telling me makes me feel like, I don't know. Like, what are you trying to, to, to get me to believe? I, I don't know. I have to try to understand that too. That could be. Well, it, that has to do with your past too. You know, like it, it's trusting, you know, that that's real, but also like messages you got growing up, you know, what mom said about dad warning you about men, you know, like all those things kind of fire in the brain and it even could be subconscious. But if you just kind of stay present with stuff, because when you receive a compliment, that's part of receiving and you just say, thank you. And, and, and not even care about the reason or not what you're looking for are their consistency, their behaviors, who's right for you and not trying to figure out you know, the reason why or what people are about. And that's going to be hard because, you know, things have been hard in the past and and that's part of why it gets scary. But I think, again, if you just stay really present with all of this, it'll be a lot easier. Will do. Tracy, (laughs) thank you so, so much for coming on. We'll all want to know what happens as you move forward. And when you have all those men in your playing field, then we'll hop back on. Okay. (laughs) I will definitely reach out to you. Keep you in the loop. (laughs) Thank you. And thanks for joining me today. Those of you who are listening, this has been the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, of course, Kimmy Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. And if you want to know more, make sure you go to my site, KimmySeltzer.com. And so if you are having the wicked pattern of being, um, having a broken picker, I will just say that, or the broken picker syndrome, and you want to break that cycle of attracting the wrong relationships by learning how to date smarter, hop on a call with me so that I can help you. And imagine getting some ideas of breaking that cycle you've been dealing with with so long in one call, just like I possibly did with Tracy. So just click the link you see in the show notes to book it. And remember, Working on you is working on your dating life. That's all for now. 